as the world goes by and new generations get shorter attention spans and the media, you know, the medium becomes shorter as well. So yeah, I think there is a future for short form content on social media streaming devices. Uh, it was tried a few times already and, and, and uh, failed to take off, but that doesn't mean that it won't. Uh, I think it, there's opportunity for it. As far as discussing topics about you know, global warming, climate and climate change, recycling, things like this. As a screenwriter, when I get brought onto a project and I, I work with a director or a producer a studio, I always want to find out what are you trying to say? You are listening to the Sustainably Circular Podcast. This show is dedicated to the circular economy and how with a few key changes, you can help create a more sustainable world. No scare tactics, no shame. If we are going to do this, we need everyone actively engaged, on board, and including you. Your host is no other than Andy Streisfeld, who is the co-founder and partner at MEA Health, Canada's first stop for PPE recycling. You are here for one thing, to better understand the circular economy and your role in it. Every episode, we dive into the key issues around sustainability and the circular economy so that you can lead others in this new world. So tune into the show, turn up the music volume, and let's get to it. Fear is a good thing because fear provides you with an opportunity for greatness. Good Wednesday morning. It's Andy Streisfeld here, the host of Sustainably Circular, your podcast for sustainability and circular economy issues. I have a great show today uh, for you. We're actually off the wall today. We're going totally somewhere different. Nothing about sustainability, nothing about the uh, circular economy, but something that's important to the concept of where we're going as a narrative in our business and in our industry, which is environmentalism. And with me, uh, the quote you just heard was from Jeffrey D. Calhoun, and he is the host of Successful Screenwriter Podcast, and he's also the best-selling author of The Guide for Every Screenwriter. And I have him on the show today, and this is exciting because uh, Jeffrey, thank you for being with us. First of all, it's a, it's an exciting time to to have you here. And so, first of all, I guess you have been uh, involved. You you teach screenwriting. I see that you've been nominated and awarded, uh, honored for awards. Uh, you were in the top 100 indie writers of the world, if I remember correctly. And uh, you also are the founder of uh, WeFixYourScript.com. So why don't we start with that? What is that? Yeah, WeFixYourScript.com is a website I started to be able to help other indie writers out there who need mentorship, coaching, instruction. And even I get hired by production companies and producers to come on to screenplays or films that need help, that need fixing. So I come on as well, and I'll rewrite them or provide notes and consultation as well. One of the reasons why I'm so excited having you today and it sounds a little ghoulish and it sounds a little bit wrong, but it's right in so many ways. I was a former book publisher and I had a, a script and I was not a script. I, I, we had a book. Uh, we had a um, we had a screen treatment, uh, but I was at the San Diego Book Show on September 10th, 2001. Came back because I was tired of all the rigmarole right before. And that morning when I got off the red eye, 
I got into the house. My wife called me late in the morning and said, turn on a TV. Something has happened. And I, and, you know, I turned on TV and that was the, the second plane going into the World Trade Center. And, and it was a, it was a momentous time. But what had happened afterwards was within two hours of that, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police came to my door. Two, two suits came in and started asking me questions about the novel. The screen treatments that we put across because uh, it had to do with Middle East terrorism. And hours after that, uh, CNN started reporting that Hollywood was starting to be questioned left, right, and center on all types of weird and wonky ways that things can happen. So going back now to COVID and now what's going on with Ukraine, I'm sorry, but this can't be scripted better than anything else. Is this some sort of turning point for screenwriters and people or are there certain areas that you guys just don't go usually when it when it becomes when there's a huge event some writers will be motivated to write about it there is the too soon right so the whole thing about writing about covid and having a a covid film we just lived through it so just living through it, you'll have a couple of Hollywood blockbusters that will come out and do it. And then that'll be it. There will be a, several indie films that will come out about COVID as well, but they probably won't land and be very uh, popular because we've all lived through it. Typically, when you're writing about something, it's from before. It's from a while ago. People weren't it would be like living through World War II and writing a World War II film. Nobody would be interested in that because we're we're experiencing it. Uh, usually in moments like this, where it's really bad, significantly stressful, um, and you're living through, you know, tragedies as war crimes are being committed, as we just got out of, you know, this huge shutdown of the world the opposite happens as far as entertainment goes you start to see a lot more comedies you start to see a lot more musicals you start to see a lot more lighthearted things as we as creatives are trying to bring out the beauty that is missing in the world and you are seeing that now you are seeing a lot more musicals coming out you're seeing romantic comedies getting more popular on streaming you're seeing the buddy comedies come back so that's usually where we go so I think we'll see documentaries on Ukraine. I think uh, hopefully when this thing um, is resolved soon and peacefully, you'll see documentaries coming out because I, I know there are documentarians right now in Ukraine filming as we speak, just like you saw some documentaries come out uh, with COVID. But yeah, that's where kind of the industry, at least from my perception and understanding goes. So, Jeffrey, one of the things I said early on, uh, and I was a medical sales rep, and I had to transition from that into eventually a new career because when you have no more medical products to sell, uh, when you're when you're you know you're 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 suffering some sort of uh, PTSD when you're you're getting constant phone calls from your customers telling you, hey, you know, like I need help, I need like it's almost like I need air support type of thing, you know, and you're just sitting there and you can't handle it. You go back to the movies you watch. Like I, I was a big fan of the dystopian you know the 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 environment of like like the day after tomorrow and you know outbreak and all that stuff and i i keep saying that governments should have been prepared and i asked the question is it the role of hollywood or or screenwriters or or act or in my case i i criticize authors all the time is it our job to actually educate people of like could they have gone to hollywood writers like they did after 
9-11 and say, okay, tell us every crazy thing that could happen so we can be prepared for it. That's interesting. It's an interesting um, take on it. What I, what I found is that governments are reactive. They're not active. They don't prepare. You know, I mean, 9-11 wouldn't have happened if governments had been prepared. But once they're reactive, now you can't smuggle toothpaste onto your airplane. You know, I think that's that's the way that that it's set up. It would be an interesting thing if they were to bring on a team of creatives and to kind of work through different possibilities. But I, I want to talk about the fact that you mentioned you would watch dystopians. And the thing about being able to write in genre films, so horror and sci-fi especially, is that we as creatives are able to discuss what is going on with the world at the moment, whether it be um, social inequalities or economic wealth and disparity. We can talk about that through science fiction safely because we are presenting you with an unfamiliar world of fiction that is just familiar enough with the characters that you understand and can empathize with them. And then we can talk about thematically what they are experiencing. I mean, you can talk about, I mean, Night of the Living Dead is an old zombie film, but that was fundamentally about racism. And so you can you can really talk about these things. I mean, Big Brother in 1984, I mean, that was about the fact that you lose your independence for the greater society, right? Which we're seeing now with all of the social media and uh, potential, you know, we had some authoritarianism recently. So, you know, we had to deal with that. And so you can discuss these things in, in, in uh, science fiction and, and horror, especially. All right. So. Transitioning away from that for a moment, I know that that was something that was bothering me, and, and thank you, you've cleared it up. So now, when I started the business in recycling, and others like me started the business, we had a problem that we could not educate. And most of the time, we figured out that education comes through television, comes through movies, comes through mass media. So if you go back to when I was a child, and I'm dating myself, I was born in the 70s, so you had the public service announcements with Smokey the Bear playing, telling you not to play with fire. You had the stuff in the 50s and 60s that talked about you know, um, duck and cover and other stuff like that. So now the question is, if you were a screenwriter and, and you were being hired by a marketing firm or even a company, say, look, I want, I want to go into social media. I want to make a small mini movie. I want to capture the Instagram, TikTok market. I want to do something that's cutting edge. And as a screenwriter, is that is that just you know cut and paste, rinse and repeat? Or is that really a totally different thing that screenwriters don't want to get involved with? Uh, because it's, it, it's not good to the art. It's not. It's not true to the art. I, I just. I'm interested to see where the future of screenwriting goes. Is it just full length? You know, half an hour, sixty minutes, ninety minute feature film, movie, TV, or is it? You know, are is there room now for social media? Yeah, you have. Um, you know, YouTube videos or webisodes. You know, short five minute videos. Uh, I'm actually on concept development right now with an Emmy award winning director about creating content for. Uh, TikTok for Instagram, creating like short three-minute videos, character-driven content. Because as people get, as the world goes by and new generations get shorter attention spans and the media 
you know, the medium becomes shorter as well. So yeah, I think there is a future for short form content on social media streaming devices. Uh, it was tried a few times already and, and, and uh, failed to take off, but that doesn't mean that it won't. Uh, I think it, there's opportunity for it. As far as discussing topics about uh, you know, global warming, climate, and climate change, recycling, things like this, as a screenwriter, when I get brought onto a project and I, I work with a director or a producer a studio, I always want to find out what are you trying to say? What is the human truth that we're trying to get behind this character? And if it is about a larger change, like if you want to talk about, you know, don't look up, for instance, on Netflix, that's an amazing film that many people miss the point of the film. I mean, the, <laughs> It is about that the fact that the world is on fire and people are too busy trying to get elected or staying within their own, quote, wing of, of partisanship instead of solving the problems that we all know are real, whereas others won't even admit they're real. I mean, that film captures that in an eerily realistic way. It can be done, but I always try and infuse the truth um, into my characters, into my story, so that when you are watching it, you are moved by it because that's what our job is. I mean, really, that that's what a screenwriter does is they find the human truth or the universal truth that you can bring into a project. What if a box could change the world? Every day, face masks and other PPE waste are flooding our landfills. What if we could take that waste, sterilize it, and turn it into new useful products? And what if the key was a box? At Lifecycle Revive, we make this magical box. And more. Here's how it works. Look for one of our black and white Lifecycle Revive boxes in your community, or sign up to have postage prepaid boxes delivered to your home. Instead of throwing masks or other PPE in the trash, Toss it in the box. When a box fills up, it goes back to our facility, where it's sterilized and turned into all kinds of products, like healthcare supplies, PPE, and masks. Then the cycle begins again. Get your box at www.lifecyclerevive.ca or call 548-885-3748. Life Cycle Revive. A perfect circle. In a box. You mentioned what's being popular, what's being produced, what's coming out soon. It's going to be hopeful. It's going to be positive. It's, hopefully, it's not going to be dystopian or talking about uh, you know the past few years until the future and whatever it may be. So as a screenwriter and as someone who teaches, you're a script doctor, uh, you're a consultant. So now, so now the question is, if you had to digest five points to a, call it a beginner's class, intermediate, or even senior's class, and we're talking about today's world, climate change, because it's it's important, right? Before you, before the Ukraine war, we had just ended COP26. We realized we were nowhere near the Paris numbers. The world was the world was was being filled up with masks and all these other PPs. Okay, so the environmental cataclysm is still there, but it's been put aside by what's going on with the war in Europe. So or the potential war in Europe, let's call it. So the question is, if you're going to screen, if you're going to sit in a in a workshop, someone's coming to you and say, okay, I want to write about the future. I want to write about the current events. What are the five keys that you would partake 
to give them the right direction to, you know, to be successful. If I can ask that. One thing I do want to mention, climate change back when we used to call global warming was a thing that everyone discussed with Earth Day back in the 90s. I mean, Earth Day was huge. And I remember every year we would talk about Earth Day and people would shut their lights off at the same time to try and save energy. That's all gone away. I mean, I can't even tell you the last time I've heard somebody even talk about that. Climate change has really been set aside for profit and industrialization. I mean, that's, that's the truth of it. People want to be comfortable and they want to live comfortable. They want to live cheaply. I remember reading a release about Coca-Cola and companies or, or climate change advocates discussing with them, you can make this change. You can stop all the plastic in the world and go back to glass bottles. And Coca-Cola's decision was our customers determine what we do. If our customers wanted to get their products and pay more for their products, products and glass bottles that are more sustainable, we would do that, but they don't. Our products want cheap products. And so thus we use plastic. And that right there is so hard to hear because everybody talks about climate change and talks about, you know, recycling and trying to save the world, but at the same time, they want to pay bottom dollar. That's something I would try and discuss. I would try and bring that up if I was discussing a project with a producer who wanted to write a film, I would discuss something like that and bring the truth to it and show, show the effects of it, show what is happening and, and really reveal that. So you do that you know, through what I call concept, theme, your central character, your supporting characters, okay? And then the overall like, tone of the story. So how do you want to tell it? So our concept is the idea. So the concept would be, let's talk about the fact that plastics are, are everywhere, right? The theme would be something about humanity and having to do with, in order to make change, a price has to be paid. So we'd have a theme there. We would have a character who would represent that theme. The character would be the living embodiment of their theme. So their journey would run along with that theme. So if it was like a corporate executive who was trying to do bottom dollar and then started to realize, you know, his effect on the world and the fact that he would have to maybe shell out a ton of money, maybe even lose his job to become an advocate to save the planet. We would then have supporting characters who would have different aspects of the people he works with, family, friends, all affected by this decision. Then you'd have the antagonist of the guy who, who believes, no, our clients want cheap products. The planet will take care of itself, right? And then you'd have the tone. Well, how would you write this? Could you write it in a comedy? Sure. It could be zany. It could be weird. It could be fun. It would be difficult to do it. The easiest way to write that would be a hard character drama, right? But is there an audience for that? Can we get more people with that? Do we have to go a little bit lighter and make it almost satirical, almost like a thank you for smoking so that we can capture a bigger audience to get the message across? So this is interesting because I spent a lot of time when I was a salesman, I was, a, you know, do your job during the day and you get back to your hotel room, you're just watching TV at night and you're watching Netflix from your tablet or whatever it is. And I noticed that the, the days of the political thriller or the political satire is done like 
you don't see you don't see Wag the dog. No, we li- we lived you it. You don't see West. We we just get we, we just got it. out and, of it. And, and, <laughs> that's right. And, and you and, and you don't see West Wing anymore. And you don't see any. You don't see designated survivor. So the question the question I guess coming back is like, and it was funny because someone who mentioned me yesterday, I should tune in to watch the Ukrainian series that Volodymyr is doing serving the people because I took a look at a little clip and it seems that his is driven by a rant that came on on YouTube that he did as a teacher and then he got into, into governance. And you you don't have any more of that satire, like the yes minister, yes prime minister, British stuff. You don't have any more of that here. In... And the question is, when you talked about the characters and stuff, I was just thinking about when we, when we tried to do our screenplay for our public service announcement, you know, we were looking towards not ripping off the matrix, but we felt that that was the closest way of trying to get the message across. But do you find that as a screenwriter that there are rules? Like, do you, are, do you find that you are not allowed to copy like a Darth Vader or a, or a Blofeld or whatever it is, or, or do they, these characters just lend themselves to be readapted and refixed and reformatted? So you can have your insert basic hero a with these versus, okay. you know, no, I got uh, you. Villain C, what we're know? talking so, about right now is archetypes. So there are archetypes within different story uh, structures that you can use. Christopher Vogler in The Writer's Journey discusses archetypes. So if you're talking about the Blofeld, if you're talking about uh, Darth Vader, it's not ripping them off because that is an archetype and the archetype is called the shadow. And the shadow is the villain. The villain who is the opposite of your central characters or the hero of the story. Um, And that villain thematically runs diametrically opposed to the central character, right? So by building in that villain it's fine are you can you be influenced by other uh movies that you watch sure of course everybody's stolen from everybody you know but the the key is to take whatever you are writing and making and make it your own like you can take the tools that you see from other people put them in your toolbox and just make sure that it's an original take on you i mean if you're writing about a dude in black armor with a black cape and he's asthmatic, well, then you're probably stealing from Darth Vader. So we want to make something more original than that. But the the archetype itself is the villain. So yeah, you can absolutely use that. So, you know, tying it back to the original questions that I started with, and it's and it's very and it's very salient because I, I guess screenwriters don't get the respect that they should get. So I, I'll give you the example. Like, you know. I'm watching the world as it's unfolding today and up until a few weeks ago with Ukraine. And this is the opening of Mad Max Road Warrior, where the narrator says, you know, it was a time of pestilence and then it became a, a battle of oil and then the breakdown of society. And, blah, and and it's like, I'm saying, my God, we're heading in that direction. You know, that screenwriter was was brilliant. Like, or did, or was it just like, you know, I'm a gambler. Did they just take a did they take a roll of the dice and instead of snake eyes, they got uh, they got uh, you know a, a eleven? Because at the end of the day, that's my my key. Or is that is that something that screenwriters have the ability to 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 see that most most people us normal mortals don't see? Like, I, I'm I'm interested because I know you teach it and and you live it. And you probably have been told, look, this is way off the wall. And you say, yeah, today, but maybe not tomorrow. Um, For us, it it comes down to really trying to tell original stories 
And I mean, if you're going to use some, you know, some futurism, go for it. Uh, but some of it comes down to necessity. So like you're talking about Mad Max. So that was directed by George Miller, who at the time was an ER physician. And he was trying to put that together. The reason why they went with the post-apocalyptic feel is because they didn't have any budget. So they could only do the town. They were using old cars. So they, they created the post-apocalyptic reason because it was cheaper. So sometimes it comes down to necessity and then you just like accidentally kind of slip into creating this whole awesome, you know, franchise. So I know when I write, I try and reflect inner truths that I'm dealing with through characters who are really interesting, but then pepper it with something I want to talk about. Like I did this um, hilarious script called Hipster Z and it was about a zombie virus that when you get infected, you turn into a flesh craving hipster zombie and you want to eat people because people are non-GMO, people are gluten-free and they're free range, right? So they did it as a comedy and it takes place in the down South so that eventually, uh, you know, instead of eating his eggs and bacon every day and, and waffles. He's like, well, I really got this craving for, for meat, you know, and he starts growing out a goatee and he becomes a flesh craving hipster zombie. So, so I wanted to talk about that because I found the whole hipster health craze thing to be kind of funny because it was popular, but it didn't feel authentic. And so that's what I talk about in the, in the script is authenticity, being who you are, not just getting on the bandwagon because that's what's popular. And then, you know, they end up discovering who they are, the survivors by, you know, covering themselves in gluten and cherry pie and, and beef jerky and all kinds of healthy, healthy things to get away from the zombies. You know what I mean? So like, there's just ways to find these human truths, but to do it in a really unique and interesting way, because that's what stands out. And so, you know, finding these things that almost feel like premonitions are ways for us as screenwriters is we're just really trying to go with that original idea that we have worked day in and day out to make really interesting. Cause it's like not the first idea that you come up with. That's interesting. It's like the hundredth. So we've kind of gone through all of these different sequences to figure it out. Jeffrey, this has been a distinct honor. It's been a pleasure. You really, you really uh, settled my soul. You know, like you, 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 you brought it all together. You brought the dystopian stuff. You, you, you answered the question about why I guess um, um, zombie stuff is so popular these days because it is an expression of of many concepts. And it's almost, I guess, going maybe you'll agree or disagree. It's almost going back to the original Star Trek episode where every episode had to deal with either a racial or a political issue. And screenwriters can use that that idea of a zombie in so many ways. They can use that uh, dystopian aspect, like you said. Um, I didn't know that George Miller had, had a low budget and it was filmed in one town, so it makes perfect sense. And 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 I think that's the. Now I'll ask you this last question because I know you involve yourself with with screenwriting. Do you find that the rise success in in screenwriting is now geared? to the indie or are we still seeing that resurgence of professional film industry out of Hollywood, New York, Toronto, London, wherever it may be? The indie industry ebbs and flows depending on exposure for films, right? So say about five or six years ago, Amazon was really trying to launch their streaming service and they weren't 
they didn't have content to compete with Netflix. So they opened the door for indie filmmakers and offered to pay them quite well for the amount of time their films reviewed. And that allowed Amazon to flush out their library. Well, flash forward five years later, Amazon spending millions on their own content. It's all exclusive. They don't need indie filmmakers anymore. Now you're seeing them purge indie films from their libraries. You've seen them cut the revenues that indie films make down to pennies on the dollar, significantly different. So whereas there was a boom in indie filmmaking, now we're hitting more of a recession of that. And so now indie filmmakers are trying to find alternatives. So you're seeing smaller streaming companies coming out like Tubi, who are now paying indie filmmakers a pretty good amount of money to bring in their stuff and build their library, which is great. But again, I think in a few years, you'll see that happen again, like Amazon. So now you're starting to see indie filmmakers, they're really shifting and trying to find their own ways of getting exposure um, through like really kind of focusing and narrowing on niche. So you're seeing a lot of indie filmmakers finding a niche, really getting into that niche, being part of that community and trying to um, leverage that to find success for their film. All right. Jeffrey D. Calhoun, host of successful screenwriters podcast, uh, best best selling author of the guide for every screenwriter. I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes. And, um, and again, I want to thank you very much for appeasing this desire to have this episode. It's unique. It's special. I wanted my uh, podcast listeners to have something, you know, hopeful to, to tune into and you definitely delivered. So thank you again for, for being our guest. Thanks for having me on my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Sustainably Circular podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whichever podcast platform you're tuning in from. Much like this show, Andy and the team love getting into the good and the bad and everything in between. So feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show and we will give you a shout out on the next episode. If the episode made you think of someone that needs to hear this message, take a screenshot, send them a message, or discuss it with them over coffee. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all in this together. In case you want to learn more about how we can help you with PPE recycling, please visit our website at www.meahealth.ca. Once again, it's www.meahealth.ca. We appreciate you and can't wait for you to join us for the next episode.